0: Hi everyone. The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in the following podcast belong solely to the host and its contributors. They are not necessarily the views of our employers, organizations,
1: committees, or other group or individual. I'm David Campbell.
0: And I'm Joseph Whitney. This is Brewing with BIM.
1: Where we talk about construction processes, technology, BIM, and beer. Uh
0: hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Brewing with Bim. Uh, I'm Joe Whitney, and as always, uh, with me is Dave Campbell. What's going on, Dave?
1: Hey, not much, Joe. How are you doing?
0: Living the dream, my friend. Living the dream. Well, hey, man, we got a good episode today. Uh, I know we haven't done one in a while, so apologize to our listeners. Um, COVID and all that fun stuff kind (laughs) of, you know, started uh, 2022 off with a
1: bang. Um, But hey, man, what are you drinking, dude? uh excited about today's episode so i decided to grab some teramana throw it on ice with a little bit of pineapple
0: dude that rock man i haven't had any i bought some as a <laughs> gift to a friend but uh uh that's some crazy stuff man uh if he puts his name on it you know it's probably pretty damn
1: good right i mean honestly i i so I've been getting more and more into tequilas lately. Like I'm, I'm just an alcohol connoisseur at this point. But <laughs> I've been getting. We call more them alcoholics? But alright. <laughs> yeah. Right. Right. Um, no, dude. I, I I've been trying like Don Julio. You know, I tried, which I figured out that I like their reposado. And that's the you know, white, it's right? Even more funny. No, that's the brown. That's the brown. Okay. And yeah, you know, the thing about it is, um like with an, a Reposado versus like an Anejo and a Blanco, which is a clear, is the way that they finish it. And I found out uh, it's funny that I like the Reposados because they typically finish them in like a bourbon barrel. And that's how it gets its darker kind of coloring, the brownish kind of coloring. And I'm like, ah, oh, that makes sense. That makes sense. That's pretty neat. Um, Probably but anyway, why you like them, man. It's got bourbon. <laughs> yeah, right. But I've been uh, I've been getting more and more into it, and the Terramana, dude, it's uh, it's really good, really good sipping tequila. I I watched uh what was it Two Bears One Cave the other day, and Bert Great was podcast. actually talking about tequila. yeah it is it is man, but um Bert was actually talking about it and how much he liked it, and he talked to the Rock about it. You know, I'm like ah oh, man, that's so cool. I'm gonna I'm gonna try it. Yeah, sure enough, it's good. It is definitely yeah. good tequila. What about yeah. you? Are you sipping off. Um, I'm sipping on something fancy. I made
0: a, uh, pineapple whiskey sour. So it's you know pretty much pineapple juice, lime juice, a muddled cherry and, uh, some rye whiskey. Um, I had a bunch of, uh, whiskey laying around cause you know, I'm me, mm-hmm. but, uh, my wife had like no soda. Like there's just nothing in the house to mix it with. I was like, this is a pretty cheap rye. I don't know if I want to drink this over ice, but uh, I saw some pineapple juice <laughs> and put it in the old Google machine, and uh, this is what it came up with. And uh, I made mine pretty damn strong. It's got four, four yeah. ounces of, uh, of uh, uh, whiskey, and uh, it's it's delicious, man. It is, uh, yeah. Nice, I'm gonna make dude. another one of these probably here in the next like 30 minutes.
1: Get yourself, a nice little double there. Heck yeah.
0: Yeah. Yes sir. Yes sir. It was. Uh, it's quite tasty.
1: Google. Google. Google is awesome for that, man. I know I'm gonna take us down a little tangent uh, here for a second, but dude, I've been so excited. Like today was has been a great day so far. I woke up and I had smoking on my brain, right? I was like, you know what? I laid out a pork a pork butt last night, and I'm gonna smoke it. And isn't I'd it tell like you, Jim, 10 degrees outside, man? What the hell? Oh, dude, it's <laughs> it was snowing earlier, but yeah. you know I just. I gave zero shit. So I'm like, you know what? I am smoking today. I'm dedicated. Like, we're going to get this going. And <laughs> I'm like, I know I'm going to lose a little bit more, you know, wood pellets just because it's got to keep temp and it might it to keep it, you know, at that temperature. But I was dedicated. So I was like, you know what? We're going to do this. And it's been it's been awesome. Right. But then I was, you know, thinking about this podcast and I'm like, oh, man, it's going to be great to talk about that. And oh, I was going to say shout out to Jim Martin. We actually had him on one of our first podcasts. Yeah, he sent me some barbecue whiz. Oh, dude, he sent me some seasonings from Kansas City. Um, he sent me some good shit, um, which <laughs> is amazing. If you haven't tried if you haven't looked that up, check that out. Good shit seasoning. Oh, it's it's amazing. All of the, the shit that they make, it's it's pretty awesome but uh i'm pretty excited to try that today i got it i got my my butt in there kind of wrapped up in a towel and got it kind of cooling off here for a little bit letting the juices kind of resettle but um man i was thinking about it kind of getting back to you know he does the uh, mr
0: jim real quick you know mr jim martin there he uh he does the um world of barbecue competition every year like he helps them set Mm -hmm. up and uh he just goes around and like that's his days. He just goes around and eats some of the most effing delicious barbecue in the freaking country, dude. That's um, awesome. Yeah, that's like a weird. dream come true, right? That's right? <laughs> like a Bro, dream come th- true. We were joking about putting together a team for next year, man. And I've made, I've made brisket for like ten thousand people at a time, and like I've I've cooked a lot of meats in my in my life. And uh, yeah, I'd love to I'd love to be uh, included in that and get to go hang out with uh, some of the dude. Masters. I am down. That's
1: Yep. yep. Boston, give me, give so. me some good whiskey or some tequila, some cigars, and some good seasoning, and we are down for a great day. Like oh, yeah, a man. great day. Yeah. But you know what's interesting though, going back to your point earlier about you know the Google machine, is um you know I was thinking oh man, I kind of feel like I want to drink some t- tequila for today's you know podcast for today's episode, but how is tequila going to pair with a pork butt, you know, pork shoulder? And then I'm kind of looking into it and <laughs> you're concerned how your tequila's going to pair. With your, yeah. Dude, well, you know what's cool, though? You know what's cool, though, is there I found this recipe for uh for a tequila kind of a citrusy tequila sauce. And it actually goes well with pork. You know, of course, they used a few different types of seasonings on it. But it was like a citrusy tequila glaze. You used agave or honey. um, For I think it was like a quarter cup of tequila and um, uh, orange juice, lime juice, things like that. And uh, did you make a glaze for it? And I was like, oh, my gosh, that is such an amazing idea. Idea. Like, I love Google in the sense that it can tell me, hey, there, there's this awesome glaze that you can make for this, <laughs> and I, I haven't tried it yet, but it's definitely now on my to-do list. It's it's uh, one of my goals. I'm gonna have to try and make this, uh, you know, kind of side to go with some smoked meat that I make. So
0: there's a lot of um, uh, citrusy pork recipes out there. So like, give it a give it a Google uh, check out moho pork uh oh, cool. I, I bet you some moho pork some uh, is going to pair very nicely with, with tequila they're both uh of latin you know origin there and um uh moho it, it's it's got some tanginess oh, to it cuban. it's got some freshness mm-hmm. yeah it's cuban um it's it's definitely you know it's definitely going to pair very nicely with some some tequila i guarantee it man
1: oh yeah dude there we go That looks amazing. It is, yeah. man.
0: It's a it's a fun recipe. Like the marinade is like freaking, you know, a gallon of like seven up and you know orange juice and a bunch of other stuff just to just to like you know brine the meat. It's 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 pretty interesting. It's uh it definitely comes yeah, out too citrus,
1: smoky citrus flavor. Some cilantro or coriander, orange zest, orange juice, lime juice, mint leaves. Yeah, yeah so there's the Coriander
0: moho. is cilantro coriander is like what we call the seed but uh cilantro and coriander i think are the same thing
1: okay okay you got some cumin oregano salt pepper lime juice and a little bit more orange juice for the moho sauce yeah dude there we go this is gonna be on the uh on the (laughs) list
0: yeah man i uh I, i couldn't remember how to like make this stuff to save my life but uh i know i've made it before and it's delicious like it's it's uh there's a lot of great stuff out there. There we go. Wait, well, hey, uh, um, this episode guys, uh, not just about great meats and <laughs> freaking fantastic drinks. We're going to be talking about a 2021 year in review of tech. Um, we did this, uh, I think it was last year, maybe it was the year before where we kind of reviewed the tech that came out. Um, and you know, mostly enhancements and stuff like that. Um, but there's been a lot of, you know, we think about COVID 2021, but outside of COVID there's been a lot of enhancements um, and developments uh, and failures, you know, for lack of a better term here, uh, in the AEC industry in 2020 and 2021. And a lot of cool things to mention. Um, and I, I don't know if you have do- dove too much into this, but uh, I want to start off with with a failure before we get into the good things. And this isn't a failure in the traditional sense of a failure. It's a company I admired so much, um, but uh, for whatever reason. I don't I, you know I don't know the financial side of their their business and why it didn't work but they quickly rose to be one of the top like 5 GC's in the country and that's Katerra. They went out of business in yeah. 2021. Um they sold off a lot of their assets to a modular uh, building company here in Pennsylvania. Um and they had some great technology. It was all BIM forward. It was all about controlling the supply chain, which is crazy if you think about it because one of the number one issues we had um throughout that we've had throughout COVID is compl- controlling the supply chain. Um, and their, their software and their, you know, ideas were all about controlling the supply chain, but uh, for whatever reason, they didn't, they didn't make it. Um, have you looked too much into Katera this, this, you know, Yeah, dude. I mean,
1: it was sad to see, honestly, I was so excited for Katera and the possibilities of modular construction and seeing, you know, prefabrication um, really playing, a really pairing well with it. You know what I mean? With construction in, in, in that degree, uh, especially in, in, you know, when you look at the kind of totalness of the project, the schedule, knowing your materials, being able to just prefabricate and know things are going to fit. I mean, it was it was a great idea. And yeah. I was very sad to see him go. I really am. I think they had great ideas. Same
0: here. And I don't think, um, you know, modular building, and modular construction rather, and um, uh, prefabrication by any means took a hit um, or are taking a hit. I think if anything, they're getting ramped up more, you know, they're getting expedited, um, and well well adopted, um, as opposed to, you know, five years ago that said, I, you know, I, I don't know the, the financial thing for, for Katerra. I don't know why they went out of business. I don't know anything outside of their great technology and the, the platforms that they were building out and all that sort of stuff. Um, but yeah, they, um, they went out of business last year and I, Before we dive into all the cool acquisitions and IPOs and all that stuff, I just thought I'd make mention of uh, of that one. And, um, uh, you know, start start us off on a sour foot before we get into the good stuff.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, honestly, I know there was a there was another interesting kind of change we saw, you know, that we're definitely going to talk about here more in a little bit. But it was the whole BIM 360 shift. Right. That happened this past year. Um, Just completely shifted. Now there were two like BIM 360 and then the Autodesk Construction Cloud. Um, So that was kind of a kind of an interesting shift to see, I think, midway through the year when we we had so much um, going behind, you know, BIM 360 and everybody's kind of full speed ahead. And and we made a, a full shift over. Which we're gonna yeah. talk about that again, you know, here in a little bit, talk about yeah, some of the benefits, but there's
0: there's quite a bit to talk about uh in that regard. Um that that's definitely one that we absolutely have to talk about if we're talking about uh you know, twenty twenty one a tech year and a review. Um so next up I wanna talk about um an IPO. Um this was kinda kind of the big IPO for construction technology last year, and that was Procore. Um, you know, they kind of went out uh, up with a bang and then they've just kind of, you know, floundered ever since. I think they're down maybe, you know, 15, $20 since their, uh, IPO. Um, you know, they're expected like within five years to triple in value and all that sort of stuff. But, um, uh, just for whatever reason, they've, they've kind of trickled down, but, um, you know, they're, they're pretty well adopted. They've got, you know, got a growth strategy and all that sort of stuff. Um. The only other big name in the in this space where that really comes to mind here in the United States, rather, uh, I know like there's a whole bunch, uh, you know, adopted outside of the U.S. But here in the United States, it's, you know, primarily the Autodesk construction cloud, you know, build, plan grid, all that sort of stuff. Um, you know, Autodesk, you know, themselves, their stock's been crazy this year. No IPOs or anything like that for them. But a lot of acquisitions um, and I don't know if that's, you know, fueling a lot of their growth, uh, as far as, or their, their stock, um, uh, uptick and downtick and all that sort of stuff. Autodesk traditionally has been a very cash rich, rich company. Um, so their acquisitions are, you know, they're pretty worthwhile. So, uh, what, with the year before we had like three different ones valued over a billion dollars between what, like Assemble and, and, um, PlanGrid and a few others, um, uh this year, you know, the three big ones that they acquired, especially in our space, the AEC space, have been Innovise, ProAST, and Upchain. I say upchain for AEC. It's more um manufacturing and PLM and stuff like that, but the analytics and the the cloud technology they got, I think we're gonna start to see get really baked into, you know, all of the cloud, not just uh that side of things. Um Innovise was the big one out of Portland. You know, you and I lived in Portland for several years, and I swear nobody in Portland knows this company exists. Like we've never even heard of it before, but yet like they they dominate the you know the wastewater or the water infrastructure segment. They've got cloud tools. Um there's you know a, a really strong um story to be told there, especially in, in water uh and resource management and all that sort of stuff, piping infrastructure. Uh, with InnoVise, but the most recent one has been ProEst. This one, you know, yes, it went public and it was, you know, it was, it was in all the articles and stuff like that. But for the most part, it seemed to be one that a lot of people just haven't been talking about. And, you know, I get into a lot of meetings and I start talking to people about, you know, estimation software, what are they using, you know, with the the, the idea that I'm going to talk to them about, you know, Assemble or, or uh, the takeoff tools or something like that. But then they mentioned ProEst, and I'm like, wait, 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 there's something we're going to talk about. Give me like six months before you know we can <laughs> start having conversations, but you know they they Autodesk did acquire this company, um and and um I guess that brings brings me to my final point here, and then I'll let you jump in. So I apologize for the the long rant, but oh you're yeah, uh, all good dude. No, Autodesk put together some bundles that we've seen on account based deals when we're talking about the Autodesk Construction Cloud. Um, and a few of those bundles, a lot of people just don't realize what they are, but like construction operations bundle, a pre-construction bundle. These are bundles of software. We're thinking about like pipe and takeoff and a bunch of other tools. Um, I imagine, you know, long term, we're going to see like pro or something like that be rolled into these bundles and Autodesk push more of these bundles, you know, um, uh, as, you know, an all instead of like an a la carte approach, like just buy the bundle and you'll get all the modules, you know, sort of thing.
1: Yeah, dude, I completely agree. It's kind of cool to see, or even think about, kind of what the future entails as we as we really start to break down, you know, what these you know acquisitions kind of mean and and how we're gonna start seeing them, you know, transition. I mean, the 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 plan grid acquisition was what in, uh, November of 2018, okay, and essentially last year. So it took them a couple. It looks like a couple years right to kind of really figure out how they wanted to transition and bring it over into build. And we see a lot of those similarities within build, but of course we've seen, you know, as we we kind of talked about there in the beginning BIM 360 shift into the construction cloud, we've seen a lot of um, connectivity, right? That's the big thing, making sure that everything kind of stays in sync, making this common data environment, you know, what do I want to say valuable for all of your project stakeholders, whether it's through, you know, dashboards, it's through cost management, it's through, you know, being able to run an analysis in the cloud or just pull these dashboards, kind of like we were talking about uh, with Power BI templates and things like that. I mean, it's, it's very exciting to see all the movement on this front, I think, especially, you know, with bundles in terms of bid pro, trade tap, building connected, you know, assemble. Um, and now we see with that acquisition of ProEST, I'm curious to see how they, they start bringing all of this together even more. You know, right now, if you get into the ACS, you'll see a lot of the. <clears throat> Let's say like a hyperlink to the, you know, TradeTap website or the Building Connected, which are honestly great tools for any contractor who wants to utilize them. TradeTap is awesome. Bid Pro, I've been getting into more and more to help organize your bids kind of. I mean, honestly, when you look at ProEst and a lot of these other um, well, Building Connected, a lot of the other um, acquisitions that Autodesk is making, they're looking to do a lot for the first Full cycle, right, of the construction process from um, pre-construction, bidding, translation into construction, over into owner and and maintenance, right? Um, a lot of it, I, I mean, it's uh, it is pretty exciting to see kind of how everything is shifting and and nice to see that Autodesk is has been more active um, in the past couple of years than they have in, I'd say the past, what, five, five to six years, yeah that, maybe 10 years.
0: Yeah. I mean like the last real construction acquisitions that I can think of were the, the field and glue products um, and that, you know, Navisworks and all that sort of stuff. So like, it, it's mm-hmm. been a number of years, um, you know, they had, you know, uh, a construction tool out there called I think it was Constructware or something like that that we had you know a few few customers using that um it just didn't seem to have the the capabilities especially when we're talking about cloud based functionality and you know huh? coordinate coordination and collaboration and all that sort of stuff just wasn't there um and then it seemed to be you know hey look we've got this great design you know collaboration tool how do we you know this was um was it Project Skyscraper uh, uh, collaboration mm-hmm. for rabbit Eventually, uh, 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 BIM 360 teams and design, and then on BIM 360 design, and now mm-hmm. Autodesk uh, uh, BIM, BIM collaboration, collaborate Pro, Pro. ABC yeah. Pro, yo. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So like, you know, using that as a collaboration, you know, uh, tool, the BIM collaboration kind of expedited it, but it really like put us. Uh, opened her eyes just a little bit like, why aren't we just communicating beyond this? And it's like, well, hey, look, this is built on Teams and there's, you know, more that we can communicate. And then Project Alexandria came out and that's when Docs was released. And It's like, hey, look, we just reconnected, you know, your your uh, collaboration for Evit, you know, now BIM 360 design, all these name changes, geez. Uh, yeah. <laughs> to talk to Docs. So now you can talk through pre-construction And your guys out in the fields can actually view the files and see all that stuff. And the, the collaboration doesn't stop. The communication doesn't stop. It's all full cycle. Um, and and that I think was like the big first crux, but now as we're. ish, Yeah. Ish. Right. But now as we're looking at 2021, um, going into 2022, it seemed to be like, okay, we got all these great acquisitions now that we've made recently that were very strategic that enable Autodesk to do quite a few things that they haven't been able to do in the past, uh, really empowers their estimation side of things. Um, but now we get to connect to everything and, and make everything talk. Um, and we've got an excellent market share. I mean, the PlanGrid acquisition was was amazing. In my mind, I thought it was just all about market share. I know the technology is great for PlanGrid, the, the way it OCR sheets and you can search for text and all that. So, like, it's a great platform, don't get me wrong. Uh, bim 360 Design or BIM 360 uh, Build at the time um, was a great platform as well. Um, but what we've seen is the merging of the two, and we've gotten not just a great platform, but an exceptional platform of both uh you know tools. We're getting uh feature parity from the plan grid and feature parity from the build, as well as new features. It it, it really makes for a really powerful tool. Um, and then he starts ta- showing people the cost module and the way that you can do the tracking and forecasting. And it just, they're like, Oh my gosh, like we, th- this is what we need. And giving us the tools like we were talking about with this pro S where we're actually able to tie in some estimation a little bit more, or maybe it's assemble or or whatever they're using. We're able to um, come up with a holistic platform. And I know the idea is not to have one platform that rules, rules them all. But at the end of the day, I mean, having a platform that can do pretty damn good at everything is, is better for everyone in my mind.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I guess it does kind of feel like I'm about to put on the Autodesk ring here, but um... (laughs) I I, I, I feel like, you know, I, I, I kind of looked through, um, if any of you don't, You know, follow it, the digital builder, like your daily construction blog, the Autodesk construction blog. Um, It's a great resource, and it's constructionblog.autodesk.com. But it's a great resource to look through for any updates, um, kind of what's coming out, different trends, things like that, or any tips and tools, and and especially product news, right? That's where I like to go in, in terms of staying up to date with different acquisitions or um, different updates, again, that they've done to the platform. But, man, I, I mean, to tell you, there's there's so much within the construction cloud right now, and that's where I see really the value, right? In terms of, we started talking about BIM Collaborate Pro, so even starting there, right, for pre-construction into construction, there, there's a lot of value within within docs, you know, you have your design collaboration and your model coordination, right? Which again, are are very important tools, but you've also seen them kind of shift because we've started, you know, seeing that it's not, it's not just a pre-construction tool. Let's, you know, let's talk about design collaboration for a second, where we're looking at the design teams being able to kind of publish this information or even field teams being able to publish information and create these packages and consume this information. Um, you know, before we, we didn't really have a good mobile experience except for something like Glue, right? Um, besides right. Glue, there That Glue app, I still oh, have boy.
0: people ranting and raving about, <clears throat> about how it um, it was simple to use. It was great. Yeah. The only downside to Glue is it was an iPad-only application, wasn't really device agnostic where we're trying to get to today, but it was so simple to use. It was just – it was clean. Yes. My, my biggest hangups ups with it, though, were the viewpoints. Um, if people didn't know mm-hmm. how to turn on the – to toggle on the viewpoints, the native viewpoints, um, they would have to create the, – they would have to duplicate the viewpoints in the Glue app that they had in Navisworks. A little bit of a different workflow, but um, everyone rants and raves about how easy it was to use yeah. that one. But now we're seeing the, at same, the same thing. Same thing time.
1: Yeah. Well, well, even with with BIM, with well, let's say ACC, right? We're well, seeing it's the same plan grid app. thing. Yeah. PlanGrid app. You it is grid. it is the PlanGrid Build app exactly. Yes, exactly. It is the PlanGrid Build app because uh, up until now, again, we hadn't. We hadn't really had that really good mobile experience. And the interesting thing here is when you start combining all of that. So we're looking at the Plan Grid Build app, which of course gives you that mobile access to build and everything there. But if we take a step back and look at, you know, the, let's say the files and, and things that like that are that are available within that mobile app and the viewing capabilities, right? So a lot of that information, especially for build files, which is docs, right? And we're seeing these, um, a lot of times you were stuck to for the field, which in all reality, you can copy and paste those or create sheets, you know, push sheets and publish them into for the field. Uh, But but now, actually, this is an update I kind of wanted to talk about, so this is a spoiler, but essentially now we're seeing the capability to integrate the project files within the mobile environment. And when we start looking at Glue and the way that you could publish viewpoints, you know, things like that, we've already got that workflow pretty established with the BIM Collaborate Pro, right? When you're actually publishing to update that version into Revit or from Revit into the cloud, you're actually specifying like specific 3D or 2D views and sheets, things like that, sections, what have you. And you're publishing that data to the cloud. And that's what updates with that version, right? So in that sense, you're already essentially creating those viewpoints those viewports and the nice kind of I guess perk to this is that design collaboration that that swim lane right that timeline that you can create there each time they that a team publishes that data you can you can grab that little bubble you can package it all up or you know you can wait for a few different publishes, go through pick some different information essentially what's what's been you know kind of brought up with documents views, sheets package that all up and share it out and then again You're kind of, well, let's say if you have a team folder, you can push that data right out to your team, uh, your, your field teams, you know, anything like that. And you have these kind of, when you get into the model viewer, that's the cool thing about this too, is that when they use that mobile app, they can actually get into these models. And if let's say it's a published version, it's controlled and you can, you can. Push that specific information which makes it a lot easier for the design team to kind of push those viewpoints right because it's already in a language that we understand inside of our design application in this in this case revit and we're pushing those specific views we're creating a v1 or v2 in this in this other team's folder that they can go into again and kind of navigate around they can search for levels they can actually utilize like the model browser to turn things on turn things off um, focus on different things, isolate it, take measurements. It's it's a it's kind of a nice thing, especially when you can control or at least give them some data that that they don't have to kind of wade through, right? I mean, if you're in the field, you're, let's say you're trying to do layout and somebody gives you a full 3D model, that's awesome. But if you have two 3,000 points in there and you see a lot of these this data around, it's not going to be very helpful trying to figure out where you are. Right, it, it might help to filter it down to a certain level or specific points, you know, things like that. We can actually control that flow of data when we're sending it over, whether it is, you know, again, layout points and, and 3D or 2D backgrounds um, to the actual, you know, RVT, or if we're connecting with other products to make TP3s or what have you. We're able to essentially utilize that, you know, up to date. Information to, I guess, really, really keep all stakeholders um, up to date. But the other portion that I wanted to talk about before we really dive too further too much well, further or, or, into build. Real,
0: real quick, real quick, I want to add an anecdote to that. So um, <laughs> the the ABC or the the not ABC Pro, the the rather the ACC build side of things, um, the features and functionality that have happened. Um, I think you mentioned this earlier. there has been like 50 or, or something like that that came out last year, mm-hmm. specifically for the Autodesk Construction Cloud, um, with you know getting to feature parity between the both and new new enhancements and all that sort of stuff. But specifically the one that you just mentioned, like the for the field and pushing viewpoints and stuff out there from say Navisworks or connecting your Revit workflows mm-hmm. to it. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's an issues, you know whatever we're doing, but we're connecting that that field in the the office. I, I've had you know customers in the past that um, they're Planker customers and they swear by it, they loved it, but they went they you know when they saw Bill they're like this isn't going to work for us you know this is garbage like it's not that it's bad I was I, was, I almost said it's garbage it's, they they they, they, it's, they were saying that it's not that it's bad it just didn't offer us any benefit um, to our workflow and we really want to get into you know further our BIM for the field uh, mentality and produce 3D models, but it just wasn't there. But back in November um, they added that functionality where you can publish to, for the field. If you push your Revit model, your Navisworks model, say your Navisworks model, there is a toggle under the, you know, the the, Mm breaking the models selector to see your viewpoints and actually go through all those Navisworks view uh, viewpoints that you've created. So that, um, they're seeing those clashes or the issues or what have you, and you're actually connecting your your coordination to the field in a sense. Um, and and yeah. right then and there, like that was the that was the no-brainer. They're like, oh yeah, this is this feature alone gives us everything we need. We're gonna uh, migrate off of planner and go straight to uh, ABC or say it ABC um, ACC Autodesk Construction ACC. Cloud. Yeah.
1: Yeah. But yeah, dude. No. I- Absolutely. The, the improvements that we've seen, I mean, you're already calling them off, and I love it. Like, yes, you're seeing that we can now handle, like, or added support, I guess, of NWCs, VUs, IFCs, and we're able to utilize those not only for links, but actually for coordination and clash detection. And a big thing that I love about that is, especially when you're talking about, you know, being in a, in a common data environment for different GCs and subcontractors or You know, if you're looking at different consultants, things like that, it's nice because generally when you think about a construction project, there's maybe one team that's in charge of coordination, right? Typically, there's a team that's leading coordination. Everybody else comes to the meetings, you know, but one team is essentially organizing and controlling the coordination for everybody trying to give these clash reports out, things like that. What I really love about this integration is the fact that it kind of pushes coordination and clash detection back into everybody else's ball court, right? It it kind of says, no, you can do this yourself. You have this coordination space. If you're already hosting the data here, you can actually, you know, the IFCs, the NWCs, your RVT, you can bring all of this data together and actually run coordination for yourself. Why is that important? We're not waiting for these different meetings and someone to tell you this to address. Now, of course, issues, the issues add in is again kind of huge for that process. Being able to dive right into the design application itself, see where these issues are to help the design, you know, drafts personnel figure out exactly what's going on, make these changes, which is of course going to help us speed up these projects, making better decisions faster. But it's also, again, kind of like I said, pushing that liability. Out on everybody like else, it, it's, it's kind of pushing it back to the individual and the teams. Like, hey, don't just put up this this model here um, just because you know this is this is the quickest thing that you can turn around. Let's let's be smart about this and utilize the data that we're already giving you, right? Each team, if they're able to link off each other, whether it's the publish and consume, they're live linking, they're taking NWCs, they're taking IFCs, what have you. They're able to bring all of this data together and essentially design better, but also make better decisions and open that line of communication earlier in the process. And I'm really feeling, you know, with construction, I've seen this so much where, you know, it's very stressful to try and run these coordination meetings and tell everybody what's going on. But by pushing that back and saying, hey, I'm enabling you to do your own coordination and then yes we can go ahead and and see what everybody else is looking like we can bring this all together and run coordination in a mass kind of way but let's internally clash and and run that through so when we show up to our different clash meetings nothing should be a surprise for one for two I mean we really shouldn't have these huge long ridiculous lists of all these issues that need to be corrected that aren't already being addressed in most cases, it should be yeah. We've we've seen these. We're actually addressing these now, or these were addressed previously. You know, there there shouldn't really be an excuse not to know what's going on in your project when we have these tools. And and you're seeing the um you know the advanced grouping and the um, the filtering of the data coming up from Navisworks. So if you have the group essentially like your filters and things like that, different ways that you want to filter that data and group them. We're starting to see that kind of, uh, uh, that flow of data come from Navisworks up into the model coordination piece. And then again, when we move forward into build dude, I mean, yes, you are right. In, in, in many cases, plan grid is awesome. Like the, the way that it allows you to navigate through these documents when you're uploading, um, You know, the way that it understands the hyperlinks, the way that it um, actually, you know, the tags and things like that, that it actually applies. You don't have to create all of it. You know, it's kind of built in there for you. Um, A lot of those tools are 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 awesome. But. What I do want to say in that sense is that if you do like that's where that's where ACC also really kind of. uh, gosh, I want to say kind of goes around it, right? PlanGrid PlanGrid does have that awesome workflow in terms of sharing sheets and sharing information, the RFIs and submittals. Now, with build, the RFIs and submittals, things like that, even the tasks, I can't really argue um, a a comparison too much between one side or the other because they're both strong tools, the submittals, RFIs, the forms, you know, those are very, very strong tools in both applications. The biggest one that I could argue would be sheets, and that, that's for what I just said, is the way that, you know, Grid actually pulls in that information and understands it with that OCR and allows you to navigate through it instead of hitting next page, right? Like jumping to different sheets and understanding yeah. the data between them.
0: I think what's going to happen with, with that sort of stuff is we're just waiting on a little bit of feature parity to happen. Um, you know, I would anticipate... Yes. Autodesk is Autodesk's fiscal year wraps up in the next seven days, uh eight days rather. Um, mm-hmm. you know, there's gonna be some new new features that jump off in in 2022. Oh, assets yeah, assets. Yeah. assets.
1: it's oh. now in build build and plan grid, right? Yeah, and
0: yeah. So, dude, so do you remember the old assets workflow for yes. build and glue? I, I talk about this all the time because it was my favorite feature. It's like you know i we demo this and it, it was it was the the wow factor like oh my gosh wait you can push from field to glue and glue to and update a revit mm-hmm. model and then you can get an operations model like right out of it like no problem like yeah done yeah. bing bang boom give me 10 minutes and i show them and they're like oh my gosh like that's that's amazing and uh but now we're getting to the point where we can like you're saying about to say i'll let you jump into but absolutely oh,
1: not on this so yeah. bad I know. Oh, there's well, so many things to
0: geek out. There's in, in so this, many this, things, birthday. right? Yeah. The well, new schedule tool, the data connector. There's oh so yes. much, man.
1: The bridge. The bridge yeah. is, is super cool. Like, I, I, I've I, heard so much, you know, I mean, we support a lot of different clients, right? Some, are, some have projects that are active in BIM 360. Some have projects that are in ACC. Some started in BIM 360 and say, hey, we actually want to move forward to ACC, but How can I move my information over? Like, I don't want to have to recreate everything. And really, that was the answer that we had up until the bridge came out, which was it's it's a nice tool. But getting back to like the assets part, dude, oh, my gosh. Like, of course, we could geek out on this all day. We probably have like a three hour episode or something talking about all of the different feature improvements. But I do want to say with assets, like it's so cool being able to, you know, if you want to bulk import a bunch of assets um and you can actually put it out right to the excel sheet bring them right in you can tie them with your schedule you can tie them to rfis to issues and and speaking on joey's point there um we've actually been able to attach different you know files of information cut sheets um or specific like specs or anything warranty information you're able to attach that right to it but you know in this sense too as Joey said, connecting field to to office or field to design and and making sure that information flows back and forth, you know they brought forward the the barcode, which was awesome, especially within the plan grid, you know build app, uh, which we had the barcodes and the QR codes, right? Those were very cool. But now they've also brought in the NFC tags or uh, yeah, the near field communications. So the, the cool thing about this is when we have barcodes or QR, QR codes or NFC tags on actual equipment in the field, when you're using that device, you can actually create information and, and publish it back so it goes back into the cloud and is pushing that information back into Revit. In that sense, we can we can really connect the information back and forth. It's It's an awesome tool, but you know, I was geeking out a little bit with it the other day in terms of like trying to customize and make these NFC tags on my phone and, you know, barcodes and and uh, QR codes. And it <laughs> it was a lot of fun. I realized I could, you know, there's so many ways that you can tie that data together through, you know, and I guess this is the other point I want to make is making it easily navigable, Right. Because a bunch of, I mean, if, <laughs> let's talk reality, right? If I if I'm out in the field and I'm trying to get to a specific cut sheet or I'm trying to find a specific AHU that I've got standing in front of me, and I want to find this dang thing in the model, and there's a you know three stories or four stories of different elements, and I want to figure out exactly where the heck I'm supposed to put this thing, or you know what information install information I have with it. Um, if I can take a picture of a dang QR code or something like that on the side of it and find exactly the, the information that I need to know about this thing, that's very, very useful. I don't want to spend my time trying to click through a bunch of these folders, especially if I'm you know delivering something. That's another thing that we're seeing here is being able to tie photo references. So if you get a delivery ticket or you know something like that, somebody drops something off, you can actually take a picture of it. Hey, this arrived on site today. I can use that for tracking. But also use that for, hey, identification, visualization into the project, giving the field teams the easy access to know, hey, this is that item. Let me take a picture of this barcode, pull up all this information. And, hey, if I want to update this for our scheduling purposes, um, I've moved it from this location. It's up here. Uh, We've got it bolted down. We're going to run a pressure test or performance test here soon. You know, that's awesome information to be able to utilize, especially when you're scheduling. And that's another Um, improvement that we've seen let's talk about scheduling for a second though right Um, scheduling inside a build is not like you're not actually using it for a scheduling tool okay
0: yeah yeah so for for real real quick for for all of our mm -hmm. our listeners that are familiar with the old bin 360 plan the functionality was you import a schedule and yes you can manipulate it in there but it was not bi-directional with the mm-hmm. new functionality that we have with the schedule tool inside of Build, uh, what Dave's saying is is it's it's not uh, allowing you to edit it. You can, Dave will go into the attributes and stuff, things you can edit, but you can't manipulate the schedule in there. But what you can do um, is make a bidirectional. You can add information. And therefore, whoever is controlling a master schedule would be the one to, to edit it. And I hope to see maybe um, a little bit of a, the ability to segment a schedule, to to edit it and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Maybe maybe from um uh a poll planning or a lean poll planning or micro scheduling uh, standpoint. Maybe not yep, adjusting yep. the all master and that goes still goes back to your your Primavera P6 or your project or whatever. But maybe something like a a, a poll planning schedule or a smaller schedule um, would be uh, getting broken down. But anyways,
1: man, sorry, go ahead. No, no, dude, I completely agree. I I completely agree. And and that is, when we think about it in the sense, that is a very, very nice tool because now they can add suggestions to the schedule, right? We can start essentially making changes and adding suggestions, tying assets, tying potential change orders, tying issues, RFIs. We can really start to connect, and that's the strength of ACC. That's what I want to – to kind of tie back to earlier with, with the plan grid conversation is that the strength of the ACC, the construction cloud here, isn't just in the way that it can manage the data, publish the data, you know, things like that. It's it's really the connectivity and what all you can do with it. Really, it's, it's the RFIs, the forms, the submittals, but connecting um, the potential change orders, your scheduling, your issues. If you know that an issue pops up on site, and something's late or something was delivered and it's damaged that's going to allow you to start putting things into works to start you know uh, adapting that schedule but also this is kind of tying back to that point of you know we can make suggestions to that master scheduler right they don't want us to make changes to their their schedule that's their baby right just the same as i would treat my revit central model if I have different consultants trying to come in, I don't want to give them my central model. I'll give them a picture. I'll I'll, you know, I'll send them a link, and they can do it all they want. I don't want them to make changes. And if they have updates, if they could update that and then send it back to me in a way that I could view and go ahead and update mine, that's great. And essentially that's kind of what we're seeing, right? Now I would like a little bit more customization. Some, some, oh, gosh, I'm so cold I, out here in this garage. <laughs> I, I will say, I think that customization
0: and the this, this scheduling manipulation is coming. I you know We've already had the tools. They're already available. It was an acquisition from uh, DPR Construction, I believe, uh, if I'm getting my history right, my construction technology history. Autodesk rolled into BIM 360 Plan, and Plan was a great tool. Um, it just you know, like all the old legacy BIM 360s, they were all in a silo of segregation. And what you were just okay. saying is the new platform, the benefits is everything is connected. Like uh, your RFIs, all that sort of stuff. Well, they all tie into each other. You know, my schedule affects my, you know, my budgeting. My budgeting affects, you know, my, you know, mm-hmm. project percent complete. You know, it affects all this sort of stuff all the way down the line um, in, in some form or way. And being able to connect those pieces and to, you know, make all these uh, different variables kind of uh, reflect and, you know, document each change and why what's happening and why this is delayed and what that means to the schedule and what that means to our costs and all yep. that stuff. Having it all connected is the beauty of this platform. So while we did have functionality previously, I say, you know, man, wait wait for a little more feature parity. Hopefully that does come in the future. But um, the, yep. the, um, the, the big thing is like thinking about, what you were just saying is they all talk to each other. They, they connect in some way. It's a platform that kind of does it all. But the reason why it kind of does it all is because it's kind of doing, it, it has to do it all so that all these different pieces that are interacting can actually talk to each other. Um, And, and the the cost side of things Dude, is, is the huge, one. it's the piece I least understand, but is the piece that yeah, yeah. wows people away the most is the whole cost thing. And I'm like, I don't understand why this is sexy to you, but, Go on and tell me why
1: (laughs) I don't, I don't get it. Dude, dude, I think, I think what's, what's, you know, especially on, on that point, what's cool about all of this is the fact that you give this common data environment to so many different people who need this information for different reasons. Right. We talk about project stakeholders and needing, you know, this information, but a lot of times we don't understand how they use it, which is, is, is fine if you're in, if you're in that limited, you know, Stay in your lane, essentially, right? That's great. But this common data environment begins to expand and really give people the information, like the ability to see this information, control it, add to it, but not not allow it to affect, you know, or, or control their environment. If it's you know in primavera p6 or sage, we're gonna start seeing, you know, more of these integrations to push data back and forth. But it, it's it's really awesome to see. The way that all of these especially costs you know build docs all of it communicates and then i, I guess i want to bring this kind of full circle before we wrap things up is again kind of reaching back to that project stakeholders right being able to see all of this information that's that's awesome but for a person who looks for this information but doesn't know how to understand it, right, Joe? Like the cost management when I get into budgets and stuff because I've been in it for a little bit, I can now start to understand what the workflows are and things like that, but at the same time, I don't know every piece I don't know why they need the you know uh, all of this information i'm I'm of course learning more, but in in all reality, you know you're not gonna need you're not gonna fully understand all the numbers and all the metrics and everything like that in there in terms of how it's affecting your project as a whole, right? So a lot of times, and and this is another kind of one of those um, improvements that we've seen is these executive overview dashboards or the ability to um, utilize the insight in, you know, what, what was BIM 360 and is now ACC to really connect all of these different points of information Right. All these little little pieces, we can actually bring this data together into a dashboard, whether that's pushing it out and and utilizing something like the ACC connector, because this piece, I mean, when you really think about that, the ACC connector and being able to pull all of this down, whether it's photos, forms, RFIs, your project members, your whatever it is, I mean, all of the activity, you can metricize that data and push it into a dashboard. And when you're looking at the cost metrics and the issues, the design, anything that comes up, you you can really start tracing and seeing those different trends or why you start having those questions answered with pie graphs or, or pie charts or bar graphs or, you know, different dashboards that you can really customize for anybody to get into and really see. And I think that's where it really goes full circle as a tool that anybody can use. And that's why I'm saying, like, there's so much power behind this is you know a lot of times Joe you and I we talk talk about how how important visualization is into a project into you know the bim model or the issues that you're having the money that that's going out why am i why am i over budget what's going on you know why am i over time you know uh, i can i can wait for this gc to tell me or these different contractors or i can in a dashboard and if we can just extract that information push it through power bi with template right templates i mean acc autodesk provided us with templates to actually push that information and control it right these different filters that we have to create these different um these different pie pie charts and these different dashboards right essentially with 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 our um our, our power bi and and bring that information back in Dude, I mean, I, I really I think, you know, connecting all of that together, the schedules, the issues, you know, the views, all of that to owners, to project stakeholders in general is super, super important. And, and I mean, again, when you make that tool to the point of where everybody is benefited by it, I mean, yeah, we, we can talk about monopolies all day, but at the same time, I mean, that's the tool that I'm going to use. Right. If I can get everybody in this to 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 see what data is going on and and I can understand it, if I'm, let's say, the drafts person or I'm in charge, charge of coordinating. Charge of estimating and bidding this project to reporting to the the owner themselves, wanting to let them know what's going on in the project. If I'm a general contractor or if I'm a, you know, whatever, what have you, everybody's going to benefit from having. The filtered access to this data that's available on a platform like that, you know, being able to actually connect everybody together, whether it's a supplier or it's an owner. You know what I mean? It's so, it's kind of nuts. So um,
0: the like coolest enhancements in the AEC side of things sounds like so far for us, at least in, in us staying in our lane, seem to be in the um, the build side of things, the Autodesk construction cloud Mm -hmm. seems to have gotten the most um improvements. I know, you know, the design applications, uh, you know, various construction softwares, all that stuff probably got a lot of improvements. But for um you and I, man, like the biggest biggest things have definitely been in the construction cloud by far. It's
1: empowering them, dude. I mean at the end of the day, you think about it, BIM is becoming that um, that a lot it's becoming a project requirement, but it's also becoming beneficial. You know, we see proest we see assemble. And when we, when you start seeing suppliers and other things like that start coming into this realm, it's it's an interesting shift it's, for our industry, right? It's, because it's not it's
0: holistic. It's thinking about it I don't is. mean holistic in a homeopathic term. I, I'm, no. I'm talking about it's it's looking at the whole a whole project. Um, yeah. Not the whole project, because a project has a completion, it has an end date. The whole building life cycle, the whole from from conception to project uh, to, you know, to construction through uh, life cycle maintenance to, uh, right. to decommissioning.
1: Okay, I get your Yeah, I get your point. Could you get. All materials are there. You can see who supplied it, who maintains it. If certain suppliers and contractors came on site to install it, you can search all that information there. And I mean, yeah, dude, that's, I mean, going back to it and it, it's empowering BIM when you can get all the people involved. I mean, in the design realm, it makes sense, right? In the construction realm, it makes sense. Now, in, in terms of swinging a hammer or, you know, layout or, or pushing up some ducting, we're actually seeing the financing, the project as a whole, you know, in, in terms of not only, you know, just the project, you're right, the building and its life cycle, like at connecting all of that data together. So when you hand it over to the owner, they they shouldn't be surprised when you hand them the keys and they walk through it you know, essentially they have these 3D models, they have this visualization, they have the capability to see what's going on in their project and what updates are made. And then they have the power in their hand to actually make better decisions moving forward. If a filter goes out or shoot, if I had had my furnace cleaned a couple of days ago, and then they figured out that things were wired backwards. So I had to have somebody come out, you know, and, and if I had had known who, which of course they put a magnet on it, but hey, you know, if I hadn't known who did that, who actually installed it and everything, it probably would have cost me a lot more money to figure that out in time. And it's it's nice to be able to find that information in, in kind of one area. If you look at that common data environment again, that, I mean, when people can go back and pull pull that and say, okay, these were the members in this project this is who i had for my mechanical team this is let's say hey turk heating and cooling um i have their contact information here all their numbers their email uh the different people who are in charge of installing i have the pictures I can actually call, you know, this this company and say, hey, um, this has happened. Can you guys come take a look at my unit? It's still under warranty. I have the information here. I'm not trying to rifle through filing cabinets or, you know, hard <laughs> external hard drives or anything like that to find this information. It's in a cloud environment, and that's another beautiful thing about it is, if you really think about the capabilities that we have with the cloud. Is, is kind of ridiculous um, in the sense. I mean, it's awesome how we've evolved over the past few years with managing and storing our data, right? We go from floppy disks to um, thumb drives, having, you know, maybe uh, a gig. Those were those were the fancy ones. And now you're looking at, you know, thumb drives and external hard drives that are terabyte and things like that. And we, we're starting to get into cloud computing. Um, the more I think that we connect everybody together and we see these con- construction kind of um, acquisitions and you know the visibility scheduling, excuse me, I think it, I think it's it's benefiting all of us in terms of um, you know the building the AEC industry itself. whether you're buying a building, you're selling a building, you're building a building. Right, I think it. I think it really helps to know everything that happened with it and have all of that data. It's very valuable.
0: Yeah, yeah like we've seen owners, um, you know, looking at um, uh, an app, uh, just an app, right? So that the student, you know, students on a campus, can go around and, you know, if they're in their dorm room and they're whatever you know, goes out, they can download the app, say they're at, you know, this floor or whatever. It brings up the model, shows them, they mm-hmm. just drop a pin and, and type an issue and it tells them where they're at. Um, and then they get to come up and, you know, the maintenance guys will come up and fix it, fix it. Um, or maybe it's uh, maybe a little not, not user focus. Maybe it is uh, owner focus where the, the owner is trying to manage, um, you know, light fixtures across, you know, Uh, Mm -hmm. 200,000 square feet and they're all similar light fixtures so they all take the same bulbs and all you know all that sort of stuff like dealing with the maintenance and timing of all that sort of stuff like we 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 are getting to that point now it's all be becoming holistic and Mm -hmm. and we could do a a freaking three-hour plug on on the benefits of the cloud and autodesk construction cloud in general just because it's what we love to talk about but but that said, man, I, I kind of want to segue now because there are 50 enhancements alone in Autos Construction Cloud, and, and I feel like we got through maybe 10 of them, and we could yeah. probably go for another like 10 more hours on, on just that. But that said, I, I got to ask you, man, so that's 2021. It's, you know, think about 2021 being behind us. Um, What, you know, what was one of the biggest trends that you saw uh, or newest pieces of technology um, that came out that really just stuck with you. Is it is it a piece of the construction cloud? Is it is it something else? You know what is it that that really stuck with you as an emerging trend? Is it you know the mass adoption of model coordination? Is it you know whatever it is? You know let me know what it is for you that really stuck out. I'll give you mine here in a second, uh, and then we'll talk about uh, 2022.
1: Mine has really been, um, I guess the of using BIM and then digital twins are scanning, right? Um, another acquisition we didn't really talk about was tandem, right And trying to make and really um, upkeep a digital twin, right that was that was a huge trend this past year. And the way that you can use this information, you know Joe, you and I talk a lot about scan to BIM that is a great workflow and scan verification. And even, I mean, that's, that's an awesome workflow as well, right? These trends, I think are going to keep going and pushing further. I really, I really do think they are. And eventually in, in my mind, I see that going to the cloud as well, right? Being able to actually, I mean, we're, we're seeing mobile scanners become more and more accurate or different scanners become accurate and, the way that the information is, you know, geo referenced or coordinated um, to the BIM data. I mean, that's that's where you know kind of starts, I guess, is is what you have with BIM and and scanning, um, and, and those workflows, dude. I mean, that that to me was the big trend for 2021, and the thing that I'm uh, really excited about pushing forward into. Um, 2022, yeah. I think, I think Another we talked that's the about back of my mind now too.
0: I think uh, scanning was probably definitely the thing that we talked about the most digital twins scanning um, in 2021, you and I, like I am probably sure if we looked at our, if we did like a transcription on our, on our, you know, words and looked at, you know, the word that were phrases that were used the most through 2021, I guarantee you, you and I probably talked more about scanning and digital twins uh, then we probably did BIM <laughs> as a whole, <laughs> so so it, it is yeah. it is fitting. It, it was a very popular topic in, in uh, 2021. Sorry, go ahead. You said you had another one in the back of your mind, and then I'll jump in with mine. Ah, uh,
1: dude. Well, you're all good. I just I have another one in the back of my mind that I see that I'm excited for this year. I guess that's that's a, and another trend that I've been seeing that's picking up, and this is um, somewhat related to BIM, but also sim right in in terms of the collaboration for civil 3d we saw that start in 19 in 2019 and then going into 2020 2021 i feel like there was more of that adoption of um the cloud technology within the civil industry more of you know scanning and the way that we can utilize it either for layout or feature extraction um coordination but also in a way that you know civil Construction, you know, let's let's talk about you know machine control. Everything we're starting to see that everybody's really looking for a way to update their teams into again that common data environment. We're seeing that you know a a, a big civil push, and that's that was another thing I was excited about for ProWest because you'll see that ProWest isn't. I mean, they're not just on roll or you know, structural like the AE, There it is the AEC, obviously, <laughs> but you'll see that they actually have a focus too with civil takeoff, which hasn't been one of the big things in the construction cloud, like the takeoff tools that we have currently. Yeah, you have some area tools and you can run a poly length or poly line tool essentially, you know, but it'll be nice to see that the industry kind of takes a shift in terms of the cloud as well towards the civil and, and the integration of the civil in BIM data. That's what also another thing that I'm, you know, we've we've had civil experts on here, we've talked about scanning, we've talked about topography, you know, and, and kind of how we have to work with civil in, in terms of the entire construction process and whether it's, you know, trying to communicate a building pad or utility hookups, all of that information has to be there, right? And it, it all kind of starts with civil. But as this information, again, kind of starts passing through to scheduling and as we see the connections of RFIs and submittals and everything changing and growing, I think that I'm excited for the trend of seeing, you know, civil make a bigger push towards these BIM adopted technologies. And I, I look forward to seeing how we can kind of start meshing more, bridge. you know what, screw it, bridging that gap. I'm going to take that drink there for it. <laughs> Got to take a shot. Come on, man. Get after it. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Yeah. So we can see furthering, you know, bridging that gap between that civil and BIM data and, or how we can use it, right? We, we don't need these BIM and civil focused tools. I mean, yes, of course, we have our civil 3D. We have our Revit's, you know, stuff like that. But when we get into scheduling, when we get into really visualizing the projects, it do, it needs to be agnostic, right? And and coordination, well, things there, like that. We're starting to see. Oh, go ahead.
0: There, I was gonna say there, there, there are different phases of the construction project. Yes. Yet from an owner standpoint, or maybe even a construction manager standpoint, um, they really should be, or even, you know, uh uh depending on contract type. Uh, could be a GC or whoever. They really should be they all encompassing. They all—they really should talk to each other in some way, form or fashion. And and uh, you know, we think about it as okay, site and utility work, and then we'll start talking about um, the structural, um, you know, uh, members, and then we'll then we'll start talking about the you know and the pad and all that stuff, and then we'll start talking about the. The freaking interior and, you know, MEP. Yeah, but conditions. that all it's has all, to... It's all separate, but it, it all it's has to tell, really not. But it doesn't. Yeah, it's really not.
1: It's yeah, not. Yeah. No, all of our penetration points, all, of, you know, what, so, what, what so you know, it, it's
0: the, all. The only thing that I, like, run into that really crosses all disciplines, right? And and I, I say this in kind of a vague sense, so take this with a grain of salt, but, like, it's really like that Navisworks piece, right? Because in Navisworks, I don't care what we're talking about. I want my civil, I want my... My yeah. building i- i you know I want everything all together, and i want to see it so that I can clash it because we have clash tools in each application, but they're really just doing like a, a small clash based off of um you know interference check or you know pipes uh, clash piping in, inside of civil three d or whatever they're very small segments they're not they're not looking at a very broad holistic thing, and the really only thing that I'm thinking about today that really does is is something like um is Navisworks until we get you know everything tied in a little bit better in the construction cloud, but but yeah. what you were saying um you know that that sounds like probably like an amazing focus for 2022 and I'm really hoping that that takes off more for 2022. For me, the number one thing for 2021, the biggest trend that I saw, and, and I won't say it started in 2021, but it definitely. I will say I saw more people and more firms adopting a department dedicated specifically to this or a person specifically for this. And that is computational design, Um, whether it's generic, uh, generative or or parametric. um, You know, there are computational design departments now uh, across the board. Like, you know, I could I could throw a dart at like, you know, the 10 largest firms in the area. And I guarantee you there's some sort of a computational design department. Uh, Or, you know, dynamo scripting or whatever the equivalent is for for uh, Rhino or Grasshopper or whatever it is. Um, But but that's what what I've been seeing quite a bit of is a lot more people asking more questions about computational design in general. uh, So much so that uh, I'm doing a a, a, the Steel City Revit user group here in uh, Pittsburgh on the 31st. We're doing a, a, a generative design workshop with, you know, Revit and Dynamo and all that sort of stuff, just because it is so widely uh, acknowledged as being the next evolution for the design side and not just design, but BIM. Um, and it's really kind of taken off. And I say that the the BIM side, it, and that's because um, we can actually put information in our models, not just, you know, manipulate ge- geometry with nodes and all that stuff, but it's an automating program. It allows us to Um, you know, so there's generative design, there's dynamo, there's a bunch of different tools in there that we can leverage, but on the dynamo front, like we can automate and populate and do whatever we want and manage large data sets and push information and pull information. And it's great. It's really robust. It is just now we're just getting to the point where at least through 2021, where I've just seen it grow by, you know, rapid fire, uh, so much so that civil firms, there's that integration with civil 3d now civil firms are adopting uh, some of this computational design um, uh, tools, you know, whether it's Dynamo or, or what have you. Spacemaker, I think, is the, the with the acquisition the year before that allows yeah. us to.
1: Space Maker AI. Yeah, Spacemaker yeah, AI.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and I guess that's really the big thing is so generative design is more focused on the AI side of it, and Dynamo is really more focused on the scripting side of it, but both fall under yeah. the the broad term of computational design. Um, so that's you know I kind of like had to leave it a little bit vague, but uh, that that term in general computational design, um, it's 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 probably up there with with digital twin um, on the at least on the design side. Like we're seeing the yep. the phrase computational design um, and and you know the the principles and all that stuff kind of take off. Uh, whereas on the construction side, that digital twin is is like freaking, it's the, the <laughs> m- new most mo- annoying term. It's like uh, it's the new buzzword. <laughs> I buzz feel like word, we're,
1: yeah.
0: we're, we're all gonna. It's the new buzzword. We're all taking shots for every time somebody says digital twin. It's, twin. It seems like I'm going to a survey <laughs> conference tomorrow, and there's quite a bit uh, overlay laser scanning. And I guarantee you, uh, every every laser scanning presentation is somebody's gonna say digital twin. <laughs> But for 2022, the thing I look forward to the most is what you were talking about with the tandem acquisition and what we were talking about with assets. I think for 2022, and maybe this might be a 2023 topic, but one of the things I'm looking forward to the most is um, more integration with assets from different software post-construction. So as we're talking about assets and tagging assets and barcoding assets inside of the, the build tools, uh, I'm actually interested to see, from an owner's standpoint, how asset tracking and asset management happens with the InnoVise acquisition as well as the Tandem yeah. acquisition. Uh, yeah. Both of the, or is, is Tandem an acquisition or is that a, an internal development?
1: I thought that was an acquisition, but I'm not sure. Let me double check.
0: Google machine. I feel like it was a uh, internal development, but I could be completely wrong. Let me see. Yeah, it says Autodesk launched. Oh, wait, no, this says the acquisition somewhere.
1: Oh, it was a public beta. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. So that one was an internal development. It sounds like, yeah. Um, but so they, are yeah, right. So they, they acquired Innovise as well, and both have a play and a, and and a a, a unique tool set for specifically for assets. Um, I think about Innovise as an owner's tool. I still think of tandem maybe as, you know, during construction, maybe a renovation, maybe it's, an owner's tool, uh, or handover for an owner or something like that. Um, whereas the, the innovize is really like the owner's tool for, for, for managing and tracking. Um, uh, whereas tandem's more about capturing, I guess I, I, you know, I'm a little vague on, on a lot of these things. So I, I'll, uh, so again, take it with a grain of salt, but what I am most excited for is getting more to an asset management system from within the Autodesk ecosystem, because, mm-hmm. Primarily, it's been like these ridiculous Kobe exports and and annoying things that we had to do to to push and pull data. And again, the revenue enhancements have allowed us to you know tie better to Excel and do a bunch of things. But that said, I just feel like you know so much data gets captured post design that yeah. um, we really got to start tracking that data and having a plug-in. And and the build concept gets us there with the co- with the asset man- asset management module, um, but also you know, figuring out a way to tie in tandem and intervise and making that a big focus going forward. I feel like that's a big adoption play for Autodesk, at least from an owner standpoint. Um, So yeah, that's for me, 2021, 2023 asset management. Um, That's that's my piece, man. 2021, I feel like uh, all about generative and computational design, a lot of acquisitions on on Autodesk front, Um, some IPOs that were delayed that finally happened, that Procore, Um, and then also the, the, you know, some of the bigger things, uh, being the in-product enhancements, um, and the mergers of existing products, you know, the plan grids, all that sort of stuff. I I, I didn't mean to shit on Katerra. I really like Katerra. I do. I just, with them going, yeah, just sucks so bad, man. Like, come on, why did you fail? You can't make it. Who can, you know, sort of thing. But uh, but I had to point out that that happened. I think we've learned
1: some lessons from it. Oh, yeah. I think think the industry learned a lot of lessons. And I think you're seeing a lot. The interesting thing about Katera is that I think it inspired kind of a movement within the construction industry. We're starting to see these other companies that are popping up um, more and more, these smaller companies that use some of Katera's kind of ideals or ideas. And and they're kind of, you know, growing with the times. Right. Because that's what we have to do. But I think. I don't know if Katerra reached too much at first. I don't know what happened with their fallout. I wish I knew more about we, it. Yeah, we
0: don't but know the 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 analytics. We don't know the we details.
1: Know the, yeah, we know the speculation
0: and all the the op ed pieces that are out there, but uh, we haven't dug into their financials, so we don't we don't really know what the yeah, with yeah. the with the nail I on I the coffin.
1: I do know they inspired a lot of different people and a lot of different ways that that we build and construct things today, and I think that. You know the connection of build you know building information that building data into BIM you know in in terms of let's get rid of the you know um let's get rid of the pre-construction and construction I know obviously we, we have to have those portions but in terms of looking at it overall it is a construction project right so in my mind we need to incorporate all of the data all of the model you know kind of everything right and uh i don't know i'd say just that's that's my big push I, i think making this data available for everybody and i think katera leading the way to showing you know how we can push things with prefabricated or modular construction and you know the importance of scheduling and controlling that supply chain knowing what's going on Having that communication because it is important. It, it is so important, and I think the way that they inspired us all to, you know, utilize that different information. I'm, I'm curious. I'm, I'm I'm excited to see how that translates, you know, into the future and the ways that these different companies, like I said, that are popping up, um, how they're using it, how they're growing, utilizing, you know, what successes and what failures they had, and also the connection with the BIM data that we have now. You know, in terms of, again, overreaching to the entire project, not just focusing on, okay, my modular building's going here. You know, obviously, we're going to know a lot of the hookups, things like that, but you have to be in an open-minded position in terms of the project. If the site is running behind, you're going to run behind. You You can't just start trying to deliver things and set things up if things aren't ready for you, right? Or... If you haven't properly, you know, prepared the site with a, you know, compounded, (laughs) compacted granular fill or, you know, what have you, if the site starts falling in, things like that, there's so many different things that could happen because we try to rush things or because there's a lack of communication. And I think, I think just bringing that all together, you know, making sure that everybody is involved, everybody has the access, it's huge. Yeah, hundred percent, man. I I um
0: I feel like we've <laughs> kind of dove into like the <laughs> we, we down of so quite many, a bit. So many rabbit yeah, holes. Yeah, yeah, so many rabbit holes. The cloud. I mean, just to, to to strip away all the 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 geekness and all the things that we're excited about. Um, the the main key points that for me are, um, we're gonna rely more on our computers to to help us out, whether that's computational design or um needing more space or ram or whatever there's there's just more that we need from computers Mm -hmm. second to that there's also more that we're going to require from the cloud connection collaboration um you know all that sort of stuff and number three the construction technology space is ever-changing there's a lot of acquisitions companies that you think are doing really well you know you, you just don't know um but there's there's a lot of growth and there's you know new IPOs there's um, again the acquisitions and mergers are just endless in this space. We didn't even talk about like you know companies like uh, construction firms, engineering firms that that are you know acquired and merged, but just the technology in general, those that side of thing is is constantly evolving and changing, um, and it's leading to great new enhancements and tools that we already know and love. So that's cool. That's, uh, that's my, uh, 30 second recap, man. Um, so, so I, you know, I'm, I'm really, I'm really happy that you and I got to connect, man. It's, it's been way too long. I was down for like 14 days at the beginning of the year because of COVID. Like everyone in my family had no issue whatsoever. Like they were fine. Like, I think my son had a fever for an hour and everybody had sniffles, but like my one-year-old all the way up to my wife, Nobody had an issue. Meanwhile, I had to go to the freaking ER. I couldn't breathe. Like, just crazy stuff. Sucks so bad, man. But, like, I'm back at it. Uh, so you and I, man, we'll get back at it and we'll get after it and we'll do a lot more uh, episodes. Hopefully we can make up for some lost time and uh, uh, stack some episodes here and uh, get, get a few more recorded. I know we got much to talk about. But, again, man, I just want to thank you for uh, putting together your thoughts on uh, 2021, you know, reviewing some great technology enhancements. Um, and, uh, you know, as everybody, you know, as always guys, you know, uh, drink good beer and, uh, help us push, push forward the idea of them.
1: Yeah, dude, definitely. Thank you everyone for joining us on another episode. And yeah, dude, I look forward to this year and continuing these episodes, doing some more, you know, building some backup ones, obviously for when stuff comes up, um, I mean it, you know obviously holidays covid it's 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 been an interesting past few weeks but it's great to be back here with you Joe and I'm again excited for the new year excited for what's to come with BIM um thankful for all of our listeners thank you all for you know tuning in giving us feedback thank you for reaching out in terms of ideas or you know a- anything really we we definitely appreciate all of you um Joe and I <laughs> we've been talking about this for some episodes now but we're getting some swag. We're looking into getting some swag together. Um, so if you guys are interested in getting any type of Brewing with Bim swag, we're gonna get that stuff together. And uh, yeah, just look forward to geeking out with you all in the future. It's it's
0: all these things that take time, man. Like just taking the time to dedicate to to um you know to record an episode <laughs> to do the you know do, do diligence to research to line up with guests to to plan you know the swag accordingly like i've got like six boxes in my garage right now of like autodesk swag like swag is is it's out there it's everywhere um but uh brewing with bim man we got to step it up we got we got to get some swag out everybody <laughs> asked me like you got that autodesk swag man you got something with the brewing with bim logo on it? i'd wear the hell out of that so we got to get <laughs> after that my friend
1: Heck yeah dude definitely
0: All right. Well, everybody, thank you so much for your time, and uh, we look forward to doing another episode shortly.